Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillim Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Great to be here. Boy, it is great to be here. We are so blessed. We are. It's officially spring as of March 20th. Ooh, that's right. Yeah, Sunday. Spring season. Time to bloom. Wow. It's time to bloom. Yeah. The only thing that kind of, I don't really like the the daylight savings time thing because we spring forward. And we lose an hour. And we lose an hour. Now they're talking about keeping it that way for like the 50 millionth time, right? 70 billionth time. And... I think it'll all work out, but I feel like we lost an hour. So now I feel like I live in the future. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know how some people live in the past? I literally live an hour yeah. ahead of where I was before. This is true. <laughs> so anyway, so we are Christians with Torah. Thank you guys for watching slash listening. Uh, wherever you're getting this, if you could stop what you're doing and just like heart it, love it, do some... Give some, us some feedback. Some feedback, you know, uh, reviews. Uh, all of that goes towards helping us get the word out, um, share it on your social media platforms and all that. Um, you know, we've done the last four years of podcasts. We're on the tour portions on the tour cycle, and I encourage you to go and listen to that weekly. It's designed to be listened to weekly. Same thing with this. The Book uh, of Leviticus. Yep. Right now, we would be in the Book of Leviticus. And uh, we're now, but this year, this season, we decided, hey, you know what? We did four years of tour portions. We have all that content in the bag. It's ready to go. Now we're in the book of Matthew. And so we're studying Matthew. Uh, we've made it all the way to chapter 11, and we're now going to do verses 20 through 30. 30. Exactly yeah. right. And there's some good stuff there in there. There is. Matthew shows that Yeshua is a king. Yes. Mark shows that he's a servant. That's right. Luke shows that he's a man. And John shows that he's God. That's right. So Matthew's all about a king. So Yeshua condemns certain cities. Let's read Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 24. All right, let's do it. It says, Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre or Sidon, they uh, would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. You know, wow. if we just wake up every day and think life's just about me, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. These are my opportunities. Boy, are we missing out on the person, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Boy, are we missing out on the person. Yep. That's right. Just acknowledging him just is really awesome. Yeah. So what did Yeshua do to the cities where most of his works were done because they did not repent? So in the King James, it says he began to upbraid them, upbraid them. Now, um... I know that there's different versions. I think when I read it, it said he began to rebuke them. So it was another word. 
Yeah, the word upbraid is a Greek word, onidizo, and it means to defame, rail, chide, taunt, cast in teeth, suffer reproach, or to revile. Yep. So that's just a good rebuke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah good lashing. He upbraided them. <laughs> now, in the New American Standard Translation, uh, I like that version too, the word reprimand is used instead of upbraid. Yeah, there repr- was a reprimand. Reprimand is a good word. I like that. A little more professional. He definitely... You just got reprimanded. Reprimanded, yeah. It's more official. It's so easy. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Mm -hmm. Wow. So um, here he is doing his ministry in the Galilee. Yeah, so it's basically another, it's the same kind of idea here. They're, he's he's reprimanding. Galileans him. weren't doing really well. Isn't that who Peter said he was? He was a Galilean. I believe so. Yeah, I think all these guys were were Galileans for the most part. Um, you know yeah. the you know you mentioned you know we we do a different words. We're talking different versions, and it's interesting. Uh, we get a lot of questions. Um, new people coming here to the church or or things like that that'll ask about well, what version of the Bible do you guys use? You know and um, you know, obviously, Pastor Nick has the new King, or the King James version here. Yeah, I have the New King James version here. Um, I love the King James version of the Bible. I think the King James version. If somebody's new to studying the Bible, I think the King James or studying the Bible from any lens, right? The King James version of the Bible is great because it's a word-for-word translation, and so and it's not copyrighted, and it's not copyrighted, so you can quote it. Yeah, you know, you don't even have to give credit to King right. James. It's good um, because we cast the British off. You know. There you go. Back in what, seventeen seventy six? So anyway, so on there's a there's a spectrum of translations uh, where you have on the one end a word for word translation and on the other end a thought for thought. So like uh, and then in the center they have what they call balanced translations. So towards the word for word you have your King James, your New King James, your ESV, and then what they consider the crown jewel, the new American Standard Bible for word for word translations, right? And then on the far right, on your thought for thought, you have um, what is it? The Message Bible, right? Um, isn't there a? Uh, is it the Passion Bible? Yeah, I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah, the ones where they basically just read it and then made up their own version uh, based on what they felt like it, an interpretation. So, like on the thought for thought, you're more of an interpretive thing. And then they have you know the what? Middle. I think I have that that pamphlet. You do. So then uh, on the uh, in the center, you have the balanced translation, and the balanced translations are going to be like your NIV, your NLT, which these would still probably be closer to thought for thought, somewhere in the in the you know on that side of the spectrum. Um, but those are going to be where they say they try to stay true to the word for word, but you know they move into the thought for thought because they want to make sure that people are getting the message that's being conveyed. Because sometimes things can be difficult. Oh, this is the the books a million one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just open that up, and you can see. Right, so you see here, um, which, you know, I could probably post something, but like here, this, this one goes up and down. I've seen them where they go left to right. And you can actually Google, um, like, Bible translation. It's kind of um, like politics, far left, far right. It, it really it really is. <laughs> Towards well, the center. And people have preferences on different ones. And, and here, my first thing that I want to say is, is when people ask me what translation of the Bible is best, my answer is always the one you read, Right. Whatever one is going to get you to go and sit down and read the yeah. Bible is going to be the best translation because people need the Word of God. And, you know, having it in their own language here, you can have that back. Yeah. Um, people need it in their own language. That's uh, true. 
And, you know, when we get into the, the jots and the tittles too much, we miss the bigger picture, right? So we want people to get the bigger picture, the story of Jesus, who he is, what he's done for them, and get them to a saving knowledge of Christ, right? Now, when you want to dig in and study, I obviously have opinions about that. And I would point people towards the word-for-word translations, and the reason I say that is because I do this and I pair it with either the Blue Letter Bible app or Concordance Right. when I'm reading— so that if something like in a word-for-word translation doesn't look right, it prompts you, right? right? You get prompted to look into it deeper, say, oh, that sounds, what's an interesting word they That's use? That's right. Or this is, this doesn't look right or, or whatever. And so, um, you know, when we mention things with, with different versions, the reason you look at different versions is because this is obviously written in a different language, right? Just like in the King James, it talks about four score and stuff. Oh, yeah. I have oh, to yeah. go look that up. Well, in the New Testament. Like in Esther. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Book of Esther. Right, right, that's right, that's right. So it was 104 Some, score years. So it was 180, 180 years, because the score is 20 years. 180 days. Yeah, 108, yeah. that's what I meant. Sorry, six days. months. So it was six months. So, so yeah, I mean, that's that's good. So basically, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. He's saying that Tyre and Sidon, these were like idolatrous, you know, <laughs> cities. Well, Tyre and Sidon are going to be where, like, what, present-day Lebanon, north of Israel? Yeah, Tyre and Sidon. But the word repented is the Greek word metaneo. And it means to think differently or afterwards, i.e. reconsider, reconsider morally, Yeah. feel compunction. So yeah, so it means to think differently. Which so is you different. think a certain way, and now you want to think differently because that's what the sin is. Yeah, I recently saw like a, a Bible scholar, PhD guy, give a whole talk on this <laughs> word. Um and the idea of repentance and how, where, at what point does somebody get saved? And it was a very interesting talk um, because we all have this conversation about when is salvation, can you lose salvation, all this, all this topic around it, right? But pretty much everybody will agree that there is no salvation without repentance. That's true. That's, right? a, that's what you acknowledge. But then you have to define what is repentance because I think colloquially, right, we in our culture, we think repentance has some sort of a guilt associated with it, right? Like, I felt guilty, for, I felt convicted for my sin. But really, repentance is to change your mind, to turn from one way to see what's right and what's wrong. It also has the connotation in the Greek to be persuaded, right? So like I was thinking Jesus is not the Messiah, but now I've been convinced that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Son of God, and that God raised him from the dead, right? That's true. So now that I've got that, that, being convinced of that, receiving that by faith, that is, I think, what, what we refer to when we refer to repentance. That's true. You know, when you think about it— um, in Matthew eleven twenty two, it says, But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. That's not good. Wow. Well, the word judgment is the Greek word crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. And it means decision, subjectively or objectively, for or against. By extension, a tribunal. By implication, justice, especially divine law, accusation, condemnation, damnation. So the thing is, it means decision subjectively or objectively for or against a judgment. See, judge not lest ye be judged. I Ooh. mean, we got to be careful we don't render a judgment, a decision that could be wrong. That's right. Now, judgment begins with the house of God. Right. And I find this interesting if you want to interpret it like this. That means we should know what is right and what is wrong before anybody else to cast a judgment. Yeah. You know, and so that's the thing that we look at in you that know, regard. In English, we have a word. That sounds a lot like what you just said in the Greek. It's crisis, right? And crisis. So, I, so most of the time we, we do it, and I was looked up the definition last night. 
uh, a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger, right, is, I think, where we normally think about it, right? However, it also means a time when a difficult or important decision must be made. So a lot of times you'll hear people talk about a crisis of faith, right? I have to make a decision, right? I'm in a, a crisis, an economic crisis, right? We think of that as there's this bad thing, but crisis, there's decisions yeah. that have to be made. It's interesting, it's a lot of these Greek words. Well, this word judgment is about a decision, like, justice. Like, like fornication, it's the Greek word porneo. Right. So you get porno. Right. And you're like, oh my gosh, Yeah. And look at that. So once again, uh, very, very interesting. Uh, in Matthew eleven twenty three, we continue on here. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. That's right. Now, this is interesting. Capernaum was the headquarters for Yeshua after he left his hometown of Nazareth. So now, you know, he got ostracized. Oh, look, the carpenter's son, you know. A prophet is not without honor, except in his own hometown. Oh, yeah. So he goes east, because if you follow the Galilee, you'll go to Nazareth. Right. And uh, and there are Christians in Nazareth. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's a but Muslim yeah, but town he, right he now, moves, right? He moves, uh, he, he moves to the east, to Capernaum, which is the top of the Sea of Galilee. And, uh, and that's where he uh, actually uh, starts to do his work. It's kind of interesting, you know, that... He makes Capernaum his headquarters, <laughs> and he's not having a good, good office hours. Well, and and it's interesting how, you know, we all think right that we've we've got it together, and I'm sure the people of Capernaum think they have it together as well. And yet they're Galileans. Yet he's saying, "Hey, I did all these miracles, but you didn't repent." Fishermen, maybe a little rough around the edges. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've looked well, like, like Tiberius was built on a uh, cemetery. My my dad's side of the family, the men on that side of the family, um, up in Homosassa Springs, they were all commercial fishermen, and they're a little rough around the edges, huh? <laughs> sailors, sailors, <laughs> sailors. <laughs> Those sailors. Yeah, they weren't sailors. They they went out and came back every day. I think, but you know, it's like if you put yourself in their shoes, and Yeshua shows up. He's God. Yeah. Now, he's already shown up in many different times and places. For sure. With Abraham, you know, he shows up with two angels and has lunch. He wrestles Jacob. That's right. Joshua sees the captain of the Lord and says, you know, that's Yeshua as a theophany. Right. You go into even the Exodus 19, um, when they get married at Mount Sinai. The elders go up and eat with God. It says it right there. Yeah. So to have God come in the flesh as he has, and he's starting his ministry, he's 30 years of age, doing the work, Yeshua's bragging on himself. He's like, hey, listen, I'm here. Yeah. God is here, and you refuse me. Yeah. You won't receive me. Oh, yeah. You talk about a vested interest in human, the humans, the homo sapien race. Yeah. That God would come and send his only begotten son. He would suffer, die, and be buried, and rise again for us so that we can rule and reign with him. Right. See, there's there's so much more to the picture. What we're seeing is really not what we're seeing. Right. This natural realm, he's outside that. Oh, absolutely. Imagine that. He's outside of time and space. we make this everything. Oh, yeah. We make this everything. The natural realm's everything. Everything isn't what you see. <laughs> Amen to that. And everything isn't what you think it is. Man, is it it's we... such a facade. 
it's like these people on, on social media that they live such great lives, don't they? Oh, I wish we go to vacation here. I wish we had that. Oh, look at their beautiful marriage and their kids. Yeah, and, yeah. and you're like, and they're about they're on the verge of divorce. Yeah, yeah. They're in debt. Yeah. But so you don't you don't know the flip side. You know? Correct. It's kind of like going through the the theme parks and you you go through the you know the the filming lots where they film movies and stuff. And you think this is so beautiful, and you go around the back, it's just like boards, yeah, and cardboard. And <laughs> it's got no, like, this no isn't substance. even real. You know, like I said, these two Israeli <laughs> flags, and I mean, this is like this is a natural realm, right? So by Jesus walking on the water and multiplying food, he shows you, hey, I'm outside of nature. Oh, absolutely, and that's that's pretty cool, man. I mean, th- how can you say Jesus isn't God? I mean, what what prophet multiplied bread and food? To yeah. that degree, I mean. Well, there's there's certainly uh, people I've been sure watching this right now. I think that, water was turned into oil that, for the widow, right? Yeah, they have the come woman. up with arguments that um, I would venture to say are invalid in all cases because when you diminish the role of Yeshua, who is God and is the Son of God, right? Um, it's it's a dangerous slippery slope that people people. Well, walk look on. at this. He says right here, but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom. In the day of judgment, than for thee, um, that's a pretty bold uh, statement. Uh, you, you know, they talk about uh, I mean, Sodom. Sodom is where we get sodomy. That's right. Well, okay. So the Batchelders went to um, had been to Israel a lot, right? Right. Um, the Batchelder family and uh, Jeff. Um, when I guess they had visited wherever archaeologists believed that Sodom and Gomorrah were, and the Dead Sea. Remember? Yeah, right. And he found right brimstone. brimstone. And, man, he lit it on fire. Do you remember this? It melted quarters. Oh, yeah. It melted quarters. It'll exactly melt. right. It, it gets really hot. And but, you're like, oh, boy. But when the archaeologists started digging in these places where they think that this happened, they were talking about that um, the evidence shows that the temperature of that place heated up faster and hotter than, like, a nuclear explosion. So that's pretty—I mean, we're talking—it's going to be— It's the lowest point on Earth. Right. But, but I mean, we're talking, like— a crazy explosion. Something had hit. I mean, you know, we know what went on in Sodom and Gomorrah. No, I know, but I'm, he's saying Remember, they were judged more they, tolerable they, yeah, they, you, to be in Sodom when they got, got... people that wanted to be with angels and oh, have intimate yeah, relationships because yeah, yeah, yeah. they knew the angels were in Lot's house. Let them out so we know them. Yeah. Because that stuff was going on. Remember Genesis 6? Yeah. You know. But imagine it'd be more tolerable to be in Sodom when it was destroyed and judged than it would be to be in these places in the Day of Judgment. Now, Capernaum, we know, is destroyed, right? I don't know about Tyre and Sidon. I don't have, you know, knowledge of that, but Capernaum no. um, was demolished. It was judged. And here's Jesus, you know? Yeah, because it says right here, Chorazim, Bethsaida, and Capernaum were the cities in which most of Yeshua's miracles were performed, and yet their occupants rejected Yeshua's mission and remained unrepentant. Matthew Chapter 11, verses 20 through 24. So Tyre and Sidon were Gentile cities in Phoenicia and were often the object of condemnation by the Old Testament prophets for their Baal worship and arrogant materialism. Right. So you could break off on this and look up Tyre and Sidon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, it's and, north of Israel on the coast. Um, you know, where, like, what is it? President, Present day Lebanon would be. And Sodom was the epitome of a city of sin. Yet Yeshua says even Sodom would have repented if it had witnessed his miracles and the reality of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Wow. Matthew 11, verses 23 through 24. So here's the question. Discuss some of the reasons why people do not repent and accept Yeshua today. 
Um, wow. The first thing that came to my mind was uh, where Jeremiah says that the heart of man is deceptively wicked, right? Um, I think that people don't repent because they're deceived. Because if, if, if repentance is to change of mind, change of status, you know, to turn from one way to another way, then clearly people are deceived into staying where they are. But don't the heavens declare the glory of God? And yet they're still deceived. Right. So I have two things, basically. Uh, atheist and, hey, I'm a good person. Yeah. Yeah, all of that, I think, falls into this. You know? Yeah, so, so if you can't accept that person... Yeah, the people because with you're the biggest like, you know, faith I don't are believe atheists. in God, and yeah, and then yeah, it takes more faith not yeah. to believe. I think absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so so and, hey, I, you know, I'm a good person, you know? right? You know, and we, when you ask people and you do evangelism or you talk to people, you know, you know, can you tell me why you should be able to go to heaven? Mm. You know, and they'll is that say, Ray Comfort that does that? I, I think so. He does a great job in watching his videos where he goes out on the streets and, and evangelizes to people. And these people that we are can in, all learn. Well, people really he he just shows people the depravity of their sin and how, like, hey, have you ever lied? Well, that would make right. you a... And then he goes through, and they, they have to admit that they have, you know, transgressed God's holy and righteous standards. And by the time he's done, you know what I mean, they're, they've, they've got a realization of their sin and their need for a Savior. And that's truly how I think somebody comes to a, a real saving knowledge of, of Yeshua, is that they realize that who they are without God, but what Jesus did for them and who they could be with God, you know? And yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. And then your spirit and God's spirit meet, right? That's it. And then you're born again. Amen. You know, it's, it's quite fascinating. You know, for everyone listening and watching, you know, Michael Heiser has a book out called What Does God Want? Yeah. And the answer is you. That's right. You know, and, and the premise is that God had created the angels as a family. And he wants them all to participate in what he's doing and how he's doing it. And then, of course, he created us, his imagers, we're his proxies yeah, his in the earth. Yeah. We represent him. Yes. And so we, we, we do that, and he's happy because, you know, he wants to share it with you. Wow. Uh, Michael Heiser does a great job in, in the Unseen Realm book. Also, I'm reading a book called Demons that he's put together, which is very fascinating. You know, but we literally represent God in the earth. We're his ambassadors. And uh, actually, there's even a verse that Yeshua says, you, you will sit with me on my throne, you know. Wow. And so we actually go into divinity. We actually get changed into a new body and different things. And I've just been daydreaming about that stuff. I'll you tell know? you, man, I, I was excited to have supper with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, and, and John, uh, and, and Matthew, right. Mark, and, and John the Baptist. I'm excited about having those, and Paul. You know? Yeah, you know, if we could go back. But if we could sit on the throne with if Yeshua. If we could go back any time, it would be the time of Yeshua. Oh, yeah, bar none. You know, sure. we, we got to think about this, Ryan. We're having a stimulating conversation about 10 verses in Matthew, and we're expounding on it, looking at it, and that's really what we need more of uh, yes. in our life. Yes. Like, hey, can we sit down and talk about the Bible? Yeah. But we're not doing it. No. We need Bible revival. We need Bible and, revival. And it's good to have questions, you know. Hey, I always wondered about this, you know. To be absent from the bodies, to be with the Lord. You know, a lot of people believe that we're just sleeping. But are we really, when we die, are we in the presence of the Lord? You I know? Yeah. I, mean, I, I believe that. Yeah. I mean, think about it. When you go to sleep and you wake up, you don't really think about, man, that was eight hours. Yeah, no, you don't. Because the Jehovah Witnesses believe we're all sleeping. Yeah. So that's another fascinating well, there's study. there's a lot of people that believe that because know? of uh, Daniel. 
and the book of Daniel talks about the resurrection, how these people are asleep, and then, you know, they get yeah. raised, and then you have the separating of the sheep and it's the goats. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, the catching away of the saints or the rapture. You, you can pick anything you want. Oh, man. It's like Piccadilly. Boy, there's some topics. There's some Piccadilly going on there, Piccadilly Cafeteria. Yeah. That was a great place to eat. Um, Morrison's, <laughs> Piccadilly, Piccadilly Morrison's Cafeteria. Cafe. I Morrison's. remember... Uh, uh, Shoney's back in the day. Do you remember Shoney's? Do you have a Shoney's? A little bit. It's like Denny's. Tallahassee. Ah, uh, no. And then they remember Ryan's Cafeteria. There's Ryan's Steak. Ryan's Steakhouse. Do you remember Ryan's Steakhouse? Yeah. They had them in Tallahassee. And I'm my name is Ryan, obviously. But I so. thought they had them. Uh, I think there was one on 301. Oh, I don't know. I didn't live down here when I went to Ryan's Steakhouse. It was gone by the time I got here. So these are some of the reasons why people do not repent and accept Yeshua today. Uh, atheism. I'm a good person. Stubborn. Yeah. Stubbornness. Oh yeah, stubborn. You know, um, I so with okay. The heart of man is deceptively wicked. So that's the one that I believe is the core reason, even behind everything that you just said. And if I had to say the other thing is that people love sin. I know that sounds bad, but um, I was having a con- wow. People love sin. People love sin. I was having a conversation with a, a good friend of mine who went to a mission trip in Cuba, my mother country, and. Uh, and while they were going door to door, and they were just talking to people um, and presenting the gospel, and he doesn't speak Spanish. In he Cuba? A, yeah, in Cuba. Because it's communism. Right. So he has an interpreter with him. And That's kind of dangerous, isn't it? Yeah. What if you run into a government official? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you just do what you got to do. You know, because they've got communism. And, and what, got, are they going to deport like you? Like a police state. You know? Not going to cause a war with the U.S. by holding an American citizen for preaching the gospel. Inter- I don't know. That's interesting, though. Yeah. I'm just saying. You could end up, you know, dead or something, but... That would probably be worse for Cuba. Well, Anyways, that's a lot of faith. And I digress. Let me get to the point. I so, know. I'm just thinking so about this. So they're going door to door, and he's got an interpreter with him, and they're talking through. And so he would, you know, some people would come to the Lord, you know, through what they're doing and they're preaching. But then the people that wouldn't, that would kind of refuse it, you know, they he, they were trained to ask, well, let me ask you this. You know, obviously we're out here and we're trying to bring people uh, to a saving knowledge of the Lord. Why not? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, I live with my girlfriend or, oh, I like to, you know, play cards or, hey, you know, I drink, you know. And so in all these cases, the answers were all, you know, they had different answers, but all the common denominator was my sin. I love my sin. I want to keep doing this because I can't keep doing this and choose Jesus. So essentially what they've done is they've chosen the sin over over Jesus. And that's really what it boils down to. Even in atheism, right? An atheist has more faith than the average Christian to believe what they believe. But yeah. It, but in reality, an an atheist has their own religion of humanism, right? They're That's wor- true. It's the worship Humans solve human problems. That's and, what humanism is. Right. And they believe the, in a deity of self, and they worship at the altar of their own opinion. So one of the things you'll find with atheists, um, and I'm, I'm going to separate atheists and agnostics, right? Yeah. Um, what about the deists? Atheists are pretty firm. Well, yeah. listen, specifically atheists, because atheism is rampant in our culture because science it's being pushed in. Well, which it's not science, right? Atheism no, I know, but I'm science, saying right? that they're going to choose a scientific it's, method more right. than faith, faith-based versus science. But it's a fake scientific method. But there's science because and faith. it's still a faith, right? Like the Earth hangeth on nothing. Yeah. Well, that's science. Yeah. The Bible says it. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> what shape is that earth that hangeth on nothing, Pastor Nick? <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to <move> on. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna leave the, the shape of the earth alone today. Thank you. Um, 
anyway, so these atheists, uh, man, I lost my train of thought. I was, I was, you know, atheists versus agnostics. Well, I'd separate the atheists out the, can have morals and values. Sure. Sure. But who, who's the arbiter of that? Right. Who's the, the giver, the source of that morals and values? That's true. What, it, what why is that in us? Well, and, and they say, well, because it's, it's more beneficial to like, I was watching, um, a debate between Ken Ham and Bill Nye, the science guy. And let me just tell you, in my opinion, Ken Ham eats Bill Nye's lunch. <laughs> now, Bill Nye thinks that he wins, right? It's funny how when people come and they, they both think like they really schooled the other one. Bill Nye. You know? I like Bill Nye, though. Oh, man, I watched Bill he's Nye a as character. a kid. Yeah, yeah, he's a real tool. Um, he just is. He's he, At this point, he's he's kind of lost his favor in my sight. I liked him as a kid so much because I watched yeah. his videos and stuff like that. And then he just, he really took a left turn. Uh, a hard, hard left turn. But to that end, I watched that debate with him and Ken Ham. And Ken Ham, you know, especially when it comes to science and things like that, makes the point that I feel like there is no intellectually honest opinion other than the one that Ken Ham holds. And that is there's the science that is observable and repeatable that uses the scientific method. And that's how we get the technologies we have today, the medicines that we have today, the things that we can do and repeat. And then there's this thing he's calling historical science. And that historical science is where we're guessing what happened in the past and we're creating all of this scientific, you know, explanations for it. But really, we've created a religion around it because it's all based on our supposition in, or the supposition within science that things happened over millions or billions of years. Yeah. Right. But nobody can repeat or observe millions of years. So when you carbon date something and you say, oh, this is this many millions, millions of years old based on the carbon dating. But it's like, well, how do you know that you can't observe or repeat the millions of years? You're just guessing because you said, oh, well, well that- they, they did some testing after Mount St. Helens. When that volcano yeah, 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 blew yeah, yeah, yeah. and they did some carbon dating. Right. And because of the soot and the ash and the volcano, it allowed that area to be older than what it really was. Well, what, based on carbon dating. Carbon dating. Well, yeah. and that's my point, is that we have science like Mount St. Helens where you can go and you can observe and repeat right. something, but then the result contradicts what we're saying over here on the other side. And, and instead of a scientist being intellectually honest and saying there's an issue there, we need to relook at this, most of them will just throw it off to you know some other thing. And, and look, people have the things that they say, but there is zero argument with the fact that you can't observe or repeat millions of years. Right. That's now, the point. Whether it's millions of years or not is beside the point. That's true. You just can't observe and repeat it, so it's not yeah. science. Old Earth versus New Earth. Well, e even that beside the point. We're right. talking evolution. Gap theory. All kinds of different things that people right. have supposed are truth, but again, you can't observe it and repeat it. Oh, how, how great is it going to be to be in heaven? Oh, and then we get all, the, all the answers. I know. We well, can it's watch my, it. Like it's my Netflix. turn to read. Netflix. We can be like, Heavenly play. Flicks. Watch the creation. Heavenly Flicks. Oh, yeah, look. Yeah, this is, hey, this is the Heavenly part Flicks. where he creates Adam. Watch, 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 watch. And maybe I can go back and find the exact date in March of 92 when I got saved. Yeah. Wait, see that dirt ball? He's going to blow in its nostrils <laughs> and it's going to just blow up like a balloon. Watch, 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 watch. <laughs> Boom, there it is. Oh. I can't wait. Be cool. Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. Rest in Yeshua. I'm going to read that and then turn it over to Ryan. Ooh, all right. Yeah, so we're doing good. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We sing that every Shabbat. It's a good little little ditty. Wow, that's a beautiful thing. So it is. What do you got for me? All right, so this section is uh, 25 through 30, and it's rest in Yeshua. Rest in Yeshua. In verse 25 here in the King James, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it is good, for it seemed good in thy sight. Wow. So in this verse, Yeshua mentions two kinds of people in his prayer. The wise, which we're equating to the arrogant in knowledge, and the babes, which are like little children who humbly are open to receive the truth of God's word. And so the question begs, are you wise in your own eyes, or do you seek the truth in childlike faith, realizing that only God holds all the answers? Wow, it's like progressive revelation as we put things together, like like the state of Israel and the house of Israel, right. the people of Israel. It's a progressive revelation that we put the pieces together. You know, uh, had the devil known or the, you know, these little Elohims, had they known that uh, Yeshua was going to die for our sins, they would have stopped him. But Michael Heiser says that there's a mosaic, a messianic mosaic of scriptures that you can pull out and start putting together, and then you see the picture. Yeah. But they weren't smart enough. Right. They did not figure it out. Even in the book of Enoch, it says that God didn't reveal all of his truths and knowledge to the angels. Yeah, it's like what my dad always used to tell me. He says, son... I taught you everything you know, but I ain't taught you everything I know. I'd be like, well, that's a little mysterious there, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. And that uh, usually had to do with like, you know. It's like, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for nothing. So, I, you know, I love this. I love what Yeshua says here. So what, is, what about like a know-it-all? What about someone that's not willing to change their thought process? Like someone that would say, oh, well, you have to be Jewish to be Israel. Or... Or, or just being dogmatic about something. When well, you we could, could, yeah, we could when, apply this. But to when so you much. could be wrong, like the time of the rapture, you could be wrong. Oh yeah, you could be right. Okay, I'm just saying that what is really true. I personally hope I'm wrong on my perceived timing. Of we the know the Messiah is coming back. <laughs> yes. We know that. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, but when? Yeah, when no the restitution sure. of all things. It talks about this even in Acts. So when people say things like, "Oh, well, Jesus could come back any day now." I would say that's false mm, because okay. there's the restitution of all things. Right. What about all these other prophecies and things? Right. Yeah. And that's where we kind of yeah, want to do a cop out. On the dispensational out. side, you, it's- I'm not against they, the rapture. I'm just saying we got imminency. so much work to do. Oh, man. You know, to say, I'm all, you know, I had somebody tell me one time, I'm charging up all my credit cards, you know. Because the rapture's happening. Jesus is coming and I'm going to spend all the money. Yeah. I'm thinking, you're going to be judged for that. <laughs> oh, God. What do you, what do you think- Dead is a sin. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. But this is what people do in immaturity. Well, so, we have to grow up. So, you know, it, it talks about here, I think, in Jesus' time, he's talking about the He did not, he hid these things from the wise and the prudent, but revealed them to babes. Um, this is going to be, the, you know, your religious leaders that he rebuked, the, the scribes and the Pharisees. And you know, this is really, if this doesn't make people within the Hebrew roots blood run cold, when he says things like this, we have a tendency, me included, 
to think like, oh man, I know this for sure, you know, or I've got this thing down, or oh, let me, you know, show you my my three steps, my three points. We of, have to apologize, don't we, for that? Well, we will have to if we if we if we said something wrong. Like if I said something that was incorrect. Now they'll take it out of context, but if I sure. just said that was incorrect, I I would have to correct it. Yeah, you well, have to. Well, it's it's we want to receive things with childlike faith and. When we make bold statements of condemnation or calling out other ministers and ministries or putting other people down who think a different way than we do. Or what if your denomination is right? Oh, it is. And everybody else is wrong. Well, they are. Like if the Baptists were coming against the Pentecostals or. Yeah, which they do. People want to come against tongues, interpretation of tongues. Which they do. It's like that's a that's a no win situation. I mean, to say that we're the you know, we're right and you're wrong. That's that's a that's a tough statement. Well, and I think the Lord has been showing me over that's time horrible. about people because we so much focus on the the weeds, right? And we can't see the forest through the trees, and we want to pay attention to people's fruit. Do people have good fruit or they don't? Because Yeshua says we'll know them by their fruit. Boy, isn't that the truth? And it really is. And there's some people out there that got some really good fruit that I'm like, eh, I don't really like their style. Like that's not my cup of tea. But man, look at that fruit. That's some good fruit. It's true. And a lot of people are jealous of success. Oh man. Like a mega church or Gosh. look at that. They want to come after the mega churches or they want to come after people like Joe Osteen for whatever reason. For sure. And it's like, you know, you, you don't know the full story. What are you doing for the Lord? Then? Well, and that's just it. That's Imagine why that. Why, why go after anybody? Does the Bible say go get them? It says, go prove everybody wrong. It says here he reveals it to babes. <laughs> and I'm going to say this is babes in the faith. So think about all of these people who had just received the news of Jesus, and he's giving them the creme de la creme, the Messiah. I mean, we're talking the pinnacle, the Rosh Pinah, right? The head yeah. of the corner, right? The one that the stone that the builders rejected. The builders, in this case, being the wise and arrogant, you know, religious leadership. But... but it's the it's the babes, right? The ones that are ready to receive the truths of God that get the Messiah. I mean, come on. I no, mean, no strings attached. It's number it's seven. All right, we're, we're so moving. All things are. De- this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, by the way. Right here, Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. It's reciprocated. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. The Father has sent the Son. Have you received the Son? You've seen me. You've seen the Father. It's a play on words. So um, the only other place that I can find that Yeshua says something similar to this is when he gives the Great Commission. So if you remember when Jesus gives the Great Commission, he says, All power and authority has been on heaven and earth has been given to me. Right. So this is post-resurrection that he makes that statement. But here is his pre-resurrection, and he says, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, right? So he has the power and the authority, okay? Everything has been given to him. And then he makes some bold statements here that I think we got to pay attention to. He says, no man knoweth the Son but the Father. So it that, wasn't until now, a mystery, yeah. right? Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And then the people that get to know the Father are the ones whom the Son reveals it to them. So, in other words, without Yeshua, you don't get the Father. And without the Father, you don't get the Son. It's a package deal. Got to have both. Wow. Got to so get into both. the word no. Yeah. So, the word no here implies an intimate relationship. 
The communion between God the Father and God the Son is the core of their relationship. For anyone else to know God, God must reveal himself to that person by the Son's choice. So the Son is the gate. How fortunate we are that Yeshua has clearly revealed uh, to us God, his truth, and how we can know him. What a blessing. You're right. You're right. Right. And so it says, come unto me, right? This is what he says here. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. That's a nice God. That's the opposite of Greek mythology, isn't it? Oh, for sure. We must appease the gods. Yeah. So come unto me is an invitation to trust Yeshua personally. Personally. So, like, what am I putting on myself? That's a burden. Right. When Yeshua's saying, right? Yeah. What are you doing, Nick? I'm going to give you rest. Come get some rest. Yeah. Come get some rest with me. Wow, draw closer to him, you get rest? Yeah. Boy, ain't that the truth. I mean, that's that's powerful yeah. when you think about it. I mean, that's like... Well, that's and eye-opening. And he's a person, right? This is a personal relationship. And he doesn't want you to worship the teachings. He wants you to worship him, you know? And, you know, I would say this, though. I think, for me, drawing closer to him, because there's three things a pastor has to do. Yeah. Draw closer to the person of Jesus. Know him, talk with him, be with him. Number two, it's... To live a, a good life, a pure life. Thirdly, it's to serve. Yeah. So what I'm saying is I'm having situations where I might be going through something. Yeah. But I see a burden on somebody else. Amen. And he puts it on me. And he's like, go over there. Serve. Hug them. Yeah. Hug their neck. Serve them. Speak to them. I mean, it was like, it's like boldness. Yeah. And you don't ask for permission. You just do it. Yeah. And you just, you speak it. And it's so powerful because you can see the change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise see, that's God. what I love about the Lord. Yeah. That even though we're going through something, we can help others. Yeah. That's why I always pray every service, Lord, who's hurting? Who can I help? Yeah. I can give like, a, one time I gave a, a gift card to somebody for Walmart for like $100. Right. They needed that. Now, it's not like you're just giving stuff away and, oh, sure. it's random acts of kindness. Pay it forward. I yeah, understand yeah, all that. It's yeah. great. Yeah. But when we do stuff like that, Ryan, gosh, that's a good place to be. Amen. And that's what I would say to people that are watching and listening. When was the last time God put somebody on your heart that you could help? We're so selfish. That's probably a sign. Oh, yeah. Because if you're in a church, you could actually hug people, help people, encourage people. Ask people, hey, is there anything I can do for you? That's probably the best thing you could ever ask anybody. Hey, is there anything I can do for you? Yeah. You know, and I would just say that because I, I know I'm learning. See, the enemy wants to beat us down, Ryan. For sure. So we don't help other people. We don't care about other people because it's all about me and look at me. Right. But I've learned that when I go through something, that's when I want to serve. That's when I want to go out and help somebody or do something. For sure. And it's a life impact. I'm telling you, people have done stuff for me when I was young. And the faith, to this day, I will never forget them as long as I live. Praise God. Because they spoke into my life. They were there for me. And they'll always be forever, eternally. Uh, I'll be eternally grateful. Yeah. You know, like my dentist who's out in North Tampa. Him and his wife were just there for me. I drive all the way out there because 
Yeah. I love I love the family. For sure. But that's that's just something to think about. As as we look at this, I mean I can't wait to play back these videos. Oh yeah. We're gonna know what Jesus really looked like back then. For sure. Think about that. You know, I mean, talking to everybody, getting caught up. We'll know everything. Yeah. But just think about this. What about the things that we don't know that he's going to show us? Hey, let's go to another galaxy. Mm. <laughs> I know, right? You like the Milky Way? Andromeda. Welcome to Snickers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Babe Ruth. So uh, I'm a dreamer. I like to meditate and think about these things. That's how I create these outlines and, and read the Bible. It's like you just sit and you look at that and you just look at over and over and you meditate and you chew on it. Yeah. That's how you meditate on it. Right. But um, the worst thing that could ever happen to us can't happen to that's us. That's right. We're not going to hell. That's right. God created it. The second for, death. For the fallen angels. Yep. But he never intended for man to go there, but man chooses. Right. And we can't, we can't deny that fact, the, the, the doctrine of hell and heaven. Oh, yeah. They say that Yeshua spoke more about hell than he did heaven. So I, I don't know. Hades, Sheol, whatever you want to talk about, the grave. Yeah. The, Gehenna. The, Gehenna. Yeah. So my thing is, you know, as we look at this, um, it's about honesty. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. I agree. And then finally here, uh, verse 29 and 30, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, now, a yoke in context here is a heavy wooden harness that would be put on oxen and attached to equipment the oxen pulled. Yeshua was likely referring to the hundreds of extra rules and requirements the religious leaders were putting on the people. And so they would have different rabbis and they would have a yoke that they would lay upon them, right? Now, Yeshua's yoke remains easy compared to the crushing alternative of dead-end legalism and self-powered effort. Oh. Now, let me give you the best part. So the Torah talks about not being unequally yoked, right? And Yeshua talks also later when it comes to relationships, especially marriage, about not being equally yoked, right? But Yeshua yokes himself with us. And so the reason that you don't unequally yoke an ox and a donkey is that you would, you know, the ox would do all the work and it would actually hurt both of them, right? Because of that unequal pressure and the way that the um, the yoke would, would bend or, or sit on the shoulders of the ox or the neck of the oxen and the donkey, it would do more harm than good. So you don't yoke two together Unequally that are not yoked, equal. like a believer and an unbeliever. Precisely. So, but here we are, and Yeshua is saying, take my yoke upon you. Now, here's what's cool about his yoke. You're in the one side of the yoke, and he's in the other side of the yoke. So which one of us do you think is doing all the work? You know, we think we're doing something, don't we? I mean, I know I sometimes think, oh, yeah, I'm doing something. Oh, that's Lord, me. Oh. I got to learn oh, that yeah. every day. <laughs> if you want something done, do it yourself. He is doing the work. He has done the work. He is the one on the other side of the yoke, which is why his yoke is easy and his burden is light, because he carries it. Praise God. And then that means that when he says, hey, go do the things— you know, it makes it easy because we have the grace through Yeshua to where we no longer do it under the pressure of the curses that the law holds. But now we do it from an internal compulsion of love and the joy because he's already done the work for us. And so it gives it such an easy 
thing. I mean, we I feel can, like I'm in a therapy session. Oh yeah, you are. I am in a therapy session a therapy. right Praise now. Praise God. Because how true is that? Oh, so true. It's what he has done for us it's, and what he's doing it's for us. It's biblical truth. <laughs> I know, but it's like what he's doing for us. Oh, yeah. That's that's astounding. He's done it. You know, it's legalism is man's commands. Yes. You know, a yoke can also signify the rabbi's teaching to his disciples and his own personal style. You know, uh, John C. Maxwell talks about in leadership, you draw who you are. So he tells the story of this one pastor who was like a worship leader. He played the piano. He would sing. And so John C. Maxwell goes into this church to lead it for whatever reason. I don't know all the details. But the dynamics change because he's not going to play the piano and sing. Yeah. So what happened is he ended up growing and developing a leadership congregation, a congregation of leaders. Yeah. And I only say that because, you know, with my sense of humor— and I, 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 you know, I enjoy, I would like to be a stand-up comic or have my own Tonight Show. Yeah, absolutely. Then I got a, a really a room full of comedians, people oh. with sense of humor, sarcasm, memes. Clowns to the left, jokers to the right. <laughs> Stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> That's right, here we Stuck are. Stuck in the middle How did we find all these people? <laughs> so I am amazed at that, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and Tom gets up there, he's oh. quiet, subdued, very, you know. Yeah, chill. Observant. He's very chill, yeah. Yeah. Not into all the, you know. But he's got some jokes, but man. But he comes in and just lays it <laughs> on you, you know. So uh, that's something to think about. I like that. You I know? remember Ted, Ted with his jokes, man. Oh, yeah. He had jokes on jokes. His jokes had jokes. I'm telling you, and it's funny how when, like, people repeat some of the things you say. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, my, my father-in-law would say, you're kidding me. Ah. And I picked up on that. Yeah. You're kidding me. Yeah. You know, little, little sayings, little quirks. For sure. Uh, you know, and um, boy, that's the best disciple is one that can repeat. Oh, yeah. You know, like a parrot. <laughs> so so we've got Sometimes two points. Sometimes you don't like what people repeat back to no, you, No, that's though. true. <laughs> what two points can be learned from Matthew 11, 20 through 30, Ryan? Um, so my two points was uh, the first one was God wants us to trust him. And this was from uh, Jeff Calder last night, Mr. Calder. What an awesome man of God he is. Really trust. Act like you trust. You know, I mean, that's, God wants us to trust him. That's, that's a big one. And number two, uh, God holds us accountable for what he presents to us. I remember watching a teaching um, that is what I would consider to be the catalyst that pointed me into the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And at the end of that teaching, I thought to myself, can I unwatch that? Can I reverse the tape of my life and then not watch it? Was it about the feasts? It was. It was uh, Truth or Tradition by Jim Staley. Oh, wow. You're right. Yep. And I remember watching that and feeling at the end that this information seems to check out. It seems to be true. And now that I have this this information, I have a decision that I have to make for me and my family in order for me to continue living a genuine life because I can't go back and unlearn what I just learned. And so with that information, and now here I am today, the journey brought me to this table. Um, But I remember that and I was, I felt the accountability, right? You're accountable for what God presents to you. God put that in front of me. And so when he shows us things and gives us revelation, we're accountable to him for what we do with it. I wrote that down last night. 
God holds us accountable to what he reveals to us. There you go. See? Wow. Well, that was my point. That's right. You can't no big, undo it. No big deal. Is it my turn? It is your turn. I, I got this one for my first one. Okay. Not only does Yeshua, does, he does incredible teachings and healings and just supernatural stuff. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Sure. He's, he's not bound by nature. No. Withered hand. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. Somebody brought out a point that um, the guy with the withered hand wasn't supposed to be in the in the synagogue, but he was hiding it. Ah, so God called him out, yeah. the withered hand. Somehow he was called out. Yeah. And he was probably surprised because it, you, you can't be in the, I don't think you can be in the congregation with a, with a. Um, withered hand. With a withered hand. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, neither am I. I don't want to speak on that behalf but that's just something to think about but this is the first thing i got after reading the gospel of matthew how much more does yeshua have to do to prove he's the redeemer and god in the flesh yeah that's a good question and he doesn't just give you little tidbits and he actually gives you conversations he gives you revelation hey you've seen me you've seen the father and he sent me, and you know, yeah. if you accept me, you know, that's the biggest thing, you know, to, to accept him. So that was the—it's actually a question with a question. Well, it is a great question, and that has to do with, like, we talked about atheists and agnostics. How much evidence is enough evidence? Because most people live in a state of cognitive dissonance where yeah. they're not—it doesn't matter what you show them. They're going to continue you know, to believe I, whatever uh, they want. I was praying about the next three weeks, and this Shabbat, I'm teaching on the Messianic prophecies. Ooh. So how this one person— fulfilled these prophecies yeah to the letter that's a good one but it really grew my faith and appreciation for that he even foretold what was going to happen yeah he sure before did. it happened yeah i mean all the way up to his birth to his death to his resurrection there are some fascinating messianic prophecies that i'm going to be sharing on saturday oh yeah and it's going to be good yeah and i think i taught it back in 2016 i was just praying about it but i was just astounded at it and this is where we get the messianic mosaic of these pieces that we can, ch- ch- the Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, whatever. Yeah. So my point number two is have a personal relationship with Yeshua daily. Uh, yes. I mean, what burden are we carrying that, that we can just give to him? Well, I'm learning that daily. as a pastor. Daily. I'm learning that. That's right. You want to pray us out? Yeah, yeah. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you've called us to come unto you with our labor and our burdens, and that you will give us rest, and that we can take on your yoke that is easy and light. And so we just, we yoke ourselves with you today, Father. In the Spirit, we receive your yoke. We receive the Spirit that you have imparted on us, Father, your Holy Spirit, that, uh, that we might know the direction and the ways that we should go. We love you, and we don't want to be like Capernaum or Chorazin. We want to be the ones that receive the message and are convinced and repent and change our minds, change our directions, and go with you and that we walk the path that you have set before us, Father. So we love you, we worship you, we honor you, we just thank you for today. In Yeshua's mighty name, amen. 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 All right, wow. So uh, this was Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 30. And I encourage you to go read it for yourself. And then next week, obviously, we're going to be doing the beginning of chapter 12. And so stay tuned for that. And uh, if you need anything, you can contact us by emails the best way, ryan at twopraise.net. Uh, you can also uh, comment 
and uh, all that kind of stuff on our social media channels, the YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. So bless you guys. Have a great week.